kickoff of the 2018 college football season as Clemson welcomes Furman to Death Valley for the first game of the year. Ben and Cody here with you today to kick off our position group previews for the 2018 season. Uh, Today we're going to focus on the defense, but Cody, before we get into it, the AP Top 25 is out. Clemson is ranked number two. What are your thoughts on that? Well, there's lots of thoughts. Uh, First, Alabama's won again. No big surprise. I, I really, you know, what's great is like if you think back to 11 or 12 when we were, you know, top 25 fringe and you get into that top 25 top 15 ranking you care about the top 25 as a whole but when you when you're like one or three or four or two every year like you you only care about the teams ahead of you i yeah i mean i look back to maybe five i don't care much past that you kind of look for who your opponent may be in the in the football playoff yeah, who would be nipping at your heels uh, that's not in your same division or same conference? And you already know Miami's there in the ACC. But uh, Yeah, and unlike a Georgia team or Wisconsin team, they start the preseason ranked um, three and four respectively. They still have to be going into this season with some unknowns, right? I don't know how confident those fan bases are that they're going to remain there at three and four at the end of the year. Whereas you look at a team like Clemson, uh, and based on what we did last year and who we've got coming back this year, uh, we feel pretty confident that we're going to land in this top four at the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, and what the, you could say that's more of a reflection of the ACC and its its relative weakness compared to and in Clemson's relative weak schedule. Miami maybe may present the only you know really significant hurdle on the on the path to the the championship or the the playoff. But if you look at I don't know if, if you look at some of those, I'd say lesser tier teams, uh, not, not, I'm sorry, not lesser tier, but second tier. Cause I put Clemson and Alabama in a tier by all themselves. of their own. And, yeah. I, and I think everyone agrees on that. Most of the national pundits, 
But then you have a bunch of, I don't know, you could go like maybe three through nine of, of teams jockeying for position. With legitimate shots. I mean, you've got a team like Auburn that ought to be really good this year. They're sitting at nine. Um, we'll see what we get out of. We already mentioned uh, Georgia and Wisconsin. We'll see what we get out of in Ohio State. Um, are they going to live up to the hype? Does Washington come back uh, this year? Oklahoma, how are they going to fare without Baker Mayfield? I mean, it's you see these big names up there, and, and you're, you know, at first glance it makes sense. But when you really start looking at these teams and who they've lost and who they're bringing back, part of this seems like uh, they're just being um, given credit for what they've done in the past. For sure, and it's weird how they'll, they'll you know, they'll, they'll base these formulas off of returning starters. Um, they're going to always give more credit to the bigger brand and, and the bigger coach, and, the, and you could say that's a that's part, uh, in part and parcel of a brand itself. If you think in terms of like Jim Harbaugh, for example, but uh, you know, I, I, I waved their flag last year. That's one example of like, hey, if Shea Patterson, the transfer from Mississippi, is really good, like they're a legit playoff contender. If if uh, Urban Meyer doesn't get fired, <laughs> then they're clearly a, a legit playoff contender. So there's there's teams that are nipping at Clemson's heels, but it, it really strikes me this year is it's it's Clemson, it's Alabama, and and one or two. Most people are going to have Alabama one. Um, I object to that a little bit. I'm not being you know whatever. I won't, I won't defend myself. Maybe I am being a homer. It's hard to go against Saban. It's hard to go against their their talent throughout the roster. But Clemson. Again, we talked about it last episode. They have a lot of, of that same talent. Um, I, I would say that, that maybe the last year's game against Bama in the in the playoff, it sits, sits thick in their memory. factored yeah. into that. I mean, at the end of the day, Kelly Bryant is still technically the starting quarterback of this team, the same starting quarterback who couldn't get anything done on the field in the, in the, in the semifinal game last year, and uh, majority same offense. Yeah, and that makes sense. And I can't, I can't fault them for for that. If they're like, "Hey, you say you have this great five star freshman, we'll prove it." Hey, you think you're going to be better, even though you have the same quarterback with the, you know, potentially the same limitations? Prove it, and and so be it. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll we'll take that criticism. But you know, for the most part, it feels like this is Alabama doesn't fall off much. They when they the whole they don't rebuild, they reload. That mantra really applies to them, but. Uh, but this is probably the weakest team on paper in the, in the, uh, since 2013's Alabama squad. And we, we were talking about it before we recorded. I was surprised by this. A team hasn't won back-to-back championships since Alabama did it, 11-12. Um, so it's just re- it's really hard, really hard to do. In, in, in the, that's the BCS era. But, yeah, but it's really, just, in general, it's really hard. It's really hard to get back to the championship game in back-to-back years. Clemson did that a couple years ago. Alabama has been there the past what three years at least um i can't remember who was in the championship game the year before the first uh edition of clemson alabama um but uh, you know it's i know what you're getting out here it seems like alabama is just kind of de facto put there in the number one slot every year but a they've earned it b clemson has been put at the number two slot or at least in like the top five the last few years and that's become kind of a de facto thing clemson's getting the same treatment yeah, I and mean, I don't think anyone back, you know, back. You can even say just last year when we were like six or seven by some by some publications. Most people had us five, top five, four or five, which was actually correct. And that's well, and it's that's a lot of respect that right there. Losing Deshaun Watson, um, coming with an in with an unknown at quarterback and Kelly Bryant last year for people even rank us that high. I really had no issue with where we were being ranked last year. I'd certainly have no issue with being ranked number two going into this season. We got 18 first place votes in the AP. And to be honest, at the end of the day, the preseason rankings mean absolutely nothing. 
They do, but they're fun. They make for good fodder, and that's why we're that's why we have a podcast in the first place. And but I will say, well, I guess well, the whole thing is like we used to care so much, and I think just in general, more people don't care about national media um, altogether. But we used to care a lot when we would see that number twenty four pop up beside our name in the rankings. Maybe that's been ten years now. You're like ah, I just made it in, just yeah. slipped in there. And you can't tell me the last seven years when seeing us go from twenty five to maybe a fifteen beside that ranking, and then getting in that top ten, how how that, that that didn't feel good. Now it's we're in we're almost like indifferent. It's it's expected. Yeah, I mean, I'd be disappointed to see double digits next to our name, and almost at the point if we drop below fifth. Something has gone wrong. Something that we did not expect has gone wrong. Everything, everything is stacking up right for we. We have a great opportunity to win another national championship, or at least at least make a make a playoff. And speaking of that, you know, barely slipping in there at the beginning of the season, I love how South Carolina is on the fringe, right at the twenty sixth ranked team. They don't get those numbers next to them. They just get ninety six votes, and that's about it. I don't poetic. I, I love it. I don't hate on them, but I have read a lot of publications that say that they're a sleeper team. So watch out for Jake Bentley. Yeah, they would be sleeping on the field. Um, so taking a look at this, taking a look at the rest of the top twenty-five. You know, I think Penn State was probably penalized for uh, losing Saquon Barkley more than say Oklahoma was for losing Baker Mayfield. Um, th- that's of interest to me. But then I also look at some other teams that I think are overrated. Notre Dame again coming in at twelve. I mean, at least they're not ranking them in the top ten anymore. But I tend to think they're overrated going into every season. Michigan at 14, that's all. And M- Michigan's 14? 14th. They've done nothing. And I, I say this year and year. 14th? 14th. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. Come no, on, no. Shea Patterson, if he's a good quarterback. If he's a good quarterback. He was a good quarterback at Ole Miss. It's not like it's unprecedented for him to be a good quarterback. If he's what he was take, at Ole Miss. It doesn't take much to be considered a good quarterback in the SEC. So That's not true. There's good defenses there. There's bad quarterbacks. You got that. Exactly. You're, you're so conflating those two things. If you're the best of the bad quarterbacks, you're considered good by SEC standards. So let's see what he actually <laughs> does on the field. And, and I say this year in, year out. Everybody talks up Michigan. You were doing it last year. I want Jim Harbaugh to show me something at Michigan before I buy into any of that hype. And it hasn't happened yet. We'll see if it happens this season. Um, but you, like, you act like he's just some, like – you know, some schmuck who just showed up to college. Like he turned Stanford's program into more or less a perennial powerhouse. He goes to San Francisco, the 49ers. And I think he goes from like what? Six and 10 to like 10 and six. And he gets run out of, he's good. And he gets run out of town because people can't stand his personality. And now if he doesn't have, I mean, it's been what, three years now at Michigan. This is is easy entering his fourth year. I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The Michigan fan base is not probably not going to tolerate another subpar year. Yeah. They're not seeing linear success or losing to South Carolina in bowl games, man, having a good quarterback. It goes a long way. I'm telling you that that's their, that's their shortcoming. But anyhow, you, you, what you're telling me, let me go high level here. Take this back up a little bit. It seems like you don't like the other big brands. You're you're a hater of the Notre Dames of the of the Michigans, and you're you're suspicious of uh, some well, certain other teams because it's proven year in year out they they don't end up where their preseason rankings have them. They're overrated every single year. Even the year that Notre Dame was in the national championship game, they didn't belong there. Are you are you seeing these publications that need to drive like views and need to drive subscriptions would put these huge huge fan bases? This is the AP poll. I'm talking about the AP poll specifically. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about like Athlon or something. No. Well, whatever. Media are, media are, are biased too. I've heard. I've heard some of it's just all fake news. I don't know. Uh, um, 
The AP poll is fake news. The coaches poll is even more. That's the worst. It's even more fake news. Oh my god! Why did why did they even still have that? thing? South Carolina is twenty six in the coaches poll as well. It's just it's just a good weekly laugh to like the coaches poll. Everybody knows. Um, and so again, looking at the schedule here, I I look at or the the top twenty five here. I see Florida State in number nineteen. And they did nothing last year to make me believe that they deserve to be in the top twenty-five entering the yeah, season. Yeah, but it's—I I don't think you can look at last year. I, I think it's—they're a huge unknown. But with a—if you just look at their team on paper, it's—it's it's still a talented squad. It's certainly top twenty-five talent, if not top fifteen talent, because it's Florida State. You have a coach in his first year, a largely unproven coach in Willie Taggart. He is considered uh, one of the most overhyped uh, coaches in college football by his peers. So, I mean, we're going to see how that plays out. We'll see what he can do to turn around that program. We'll see what Justin Blackman has in store this year. If he, you know, if he's got up to 165 yet and can take a hit. Um, yeah, I just but I think there's I don't understand the jump there for them. And I know last season they had their starting quarterback go down in the, in the first game of the year against Alabama. Well, and that, I, that really derailed their season. I think you're underestimating just how dysfunctional things were uh, under Jimbo Fisher there at the end of his tenure. So that's the one thing you're not calculating properly, because if you were, you would see that they were really a top 10 team, legit top 10 team last year that couldn't make their way into the top 25. And what they're bringing back this year is maybe the 19th best team in the nation. And it makes a lot of sense when you look at it through that lens. And And new coaches, new coaches is significant. It is a large gap between 19 and one, obviously, and having Florida State ranked there. I'm just... I'm not sold on that team yet, um, but I mean, no one is. It, it, no one yeah, is. Though. It's, no it's going to play out in the season. Um, and then uh, you've got the defending national champion University of Central Florida coming in at number 21. <laughs> Why the big drop there, Cody? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I haven't really examined their depth chart, but you know, I'm surprised that they're not up there with Alabama, considering like by the transitive property, they were better than Alabama last year. They were undefeated. I mean, common opponent. They they beat Auburn. Yeah, there you go. Alabama didn't. Um, so it's interesting. Uh, only uh, two schools, uh, UCF and Boise State, uh, two schools not in the Power Five, uh, making it into the top five uh, right now. It's always interesting to me. One of the things that I like to watch every year is um, which non-Power Five teams kind of make a big push and how high. I think that's where the preseason polls do make a bigger difference is where these teams start because the closer they are to the top, the easier for it is for them to get into the pictures. They continue winning. But you, like last year, a team like UCF, you start so low, even if you win every game, it's not going to be enough to get you in the top four. Yeah, no, it, I, it's it's always curious to look at these these non-Power 5 teams. But, you know, I was listening to Athlon's podcast. They do a really good podcast that's, that covers national, all the national teams. And they, they said every year there's a UCF from this year or from 17. Or an Auburn, that's a good example from 17, that just emerge out of nowhere. They happen every single year, but no one knows who they are in advance, and we, no one's good at picking them. So I'm thinking, who who would that team be this year? And I'm going to steal from them, because one of those selections was Michigan. The other would be my pick, who was last year's Auburn, could potentially be Auburn. I think that they, they could be a sleeper team. Yeah, absolutely. I think so as well. I mean, they're a super talented football team. Uh, we've seen it uh, playing them They're, You know, obviously they couldn't score on us last year when we played them, but their defense held up. Um, they've got a, a great returning defense. Yeah, uh, Sidham, 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 Jared Sidham, the returning quarterback is going to be really good. So insofar as a, a sleeper, a, a number seventh ranked team can be a sleeper team. I think they could potentially be, you know, they could, they could make some moves. Yeah, I totally agree. I think Stanford has a, as good a shot as any playing out in the, 
in the Pac-12. Um, they could certainly make their way um, up into the top four this year. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I think, uh, again, I'm, I'm kind of like you. When I look at our ranking, I really don't care and maybe look at the teams around us, but it is interesting to see how the other teams uh, tend to stack up. It's also um, just fun to see that tiger paw at the top of the polls. Yeah, it's 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 even better to carry the trophy though. So let's uh, let's put a pin in this conversation until uh, well, at least till the playoffs are, are announced. Uh, in, in I guess that's October. Do you think uh, do you foresee us ever dropping past our current ranking this year? That's a good that's a good question. We've got this thing I think in the past what three or maybe three or four or five years something like that that we've consistently ended ranked higher than our preseason ranking. Obviously, that's hard to do if you're ranked number one, so Alabama hasn't been able to do that. But um, uh, I think the year that we won it all, we started number two. Uh, that season ended up number one. Last year, obviously, we beat that. The year before, our first uh, time uh, to the national championship game, we beat that. So uh, do you see us falling any lower? Do we end up higher? I think we end up higher. Well, it doesn't make for like a lot of you know, a complex or uh, – you know. A, you can't really go so go anywhere. You know, it's either down or up. It's um, a simple question, there, Cody. <laughs> I know, right? It's, I, I can't put like a, a like interesting yes, spin I, on it. I think it's yes or no, but I, no, yeah, maybe, I think, maybe I think we hold steady. If we're a stock, we hold steady, or we go, we go up, but we we do not regress. Is, would be my guess. Um. All right. Well, there you go. There's our look at the the top twenty five. Um. Again, too early. At least for the top teams, it's too early to matter. As we've seen the past few years, you can lose a game throughout the season and still make your way back into the top four. It's really hard to go undefeated throughout an entire season. Alabama has been un- unable to do it. Um. Clemson has been un- unable to do it. So I think for me, that's kind of the thing that I look forward to this year. Clint, can Clemson actually put together a fifteen and O undefeated season? Um. But we'll see how it plays out. Uh, just again, it's great to see that tiger paw up there at the top. So before we get moving on into the defensive preview, I'd like to uh, welcome all our first-time listeners. Again, this is the time of year where we start to see kind of an uptick in, in our listen count, just in general because of football season, but also when we compare it to previous years, um, we can tell it's higher. So we, we really do appreciate that. Um, so welcome everybody, and then everybody who's returning, we appreciate that as well. Um Please feel free to reach out to us uh, with questions or comments or just to say, hey, um, you can uh, contact us at ClemsonPodcast at gmail.com, at ClemsonPodcast on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, You can comment on SoundCloud. And then also, as always, iTunes reviews are really appreciated. That really helps get our brand and who we are out there. Um, And then, yeah, I mean, you can find us on any of your podcasting apps. Uh, We're there. And Cody, uh, we've we've kind of towed this line uh, the past couple of years there, calling, assuming and calling ourselves the most listened to uh, podcast for Clemson athletics. Um, I think there's no disagreement there, just because there there hasn't been a lot or really any Clemson sports podcasts. But now we have a new challenger who I am pretty sure is going to overtake us. Larry Williams from Tiger Illustrated started up a podcast. Are we going to survive? Well, the best way to lose the competition is give them free marketing, which is what you just did. So, yeah, I would say based off of our own mistakes, we'll probably lose to them. Well, I think it was bound to happen anyways, but I see it as a non-competing thing. Uh, I would, you know, if, if you're not subscribed to Tiger Illustrated, listen, Larry Williams and Paul Strelow do a great job. We get uh, a lot of our insight from them. Again, we're out here on the West Coast. Um, they're going to be doing interviews with players, you know, stuff that we don't have access to. I, I'm certainly going to be tuning in, and I would, I have no problem promoting them. They're good Clemson guys, and uh, 
Um, I think it's gonna be interesting. I think the first one came out, they interviewed Ben Bullware. So there's still, it's gonna be a different format than us. Obviously, they're giving that away for free, so they're not gonna give all their insight that they do on the website away for free. Um, I think it's gonna be more talking with past players and stuff like that, which is not what we do. Ours is a fan's perspective, a fan's take, and that's how we're unique. Yeah, and, and informed by the likes of uh, t- uh, Tiger Illustrated with Larry Williams, Paul Strilo. Yeah, um, it's not uh, just that. Shaking the South, shaking Alex Craft, Quaking Tiger. Yeah, uh, the guys so over so the yeah. guys over shaking the Southland are great, um, and of course we're on TigerNet. Uh, and David Hood does, a, yeah, David Hood does a great David, job. David and Nikki Nikki Hood, Hood yeah. uh, do a great job. So, yeah, just a shout out to to, to, to everybody there. Um, it's the the Clemson media family. I wouldn't necessarily call us media, um, but we do benefit a lot from their hard work, and uh, we appreciate it. Okay, with that, let's move on to our defensive position group preview. Okay, Cody, so this Clemson defense in 2017 ended the season as a second-rate defense in the the S&P. They were number seven against the run, the number two passing defense last year, second scoring defense in the nation right behind Bama, only giving up 12.8 points a game, Um, and some other stats that were absolutely incredible. Nearly 100 more tackles for loss than anybody, uh, the the second team in the country. Um, Nearly... 30 more sacks than the second-place team in Alabama last year. This defense was absolutely dominant. They're going to continue to look dominant again this year. Uh, Third-down conversions was a strength, uh, you know, preventing them for this team last year. Uh, we got eight returning starters, 13 guys really that were impact players from last year, and a handful of other guys that did get decent amount of playing time. This was supposed to be a rebuilding year uh, for this Brent Venables defense. But then the, the big four come back. Obviously, Dexter Lawrence was the other three guys on the defensive line coming back. Kendall Joseph comes back. So this is a completely different outlook than we kind of envisioned after the loss to Alabama last year. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, and, you know, you think of like, wow, what would it have been had these the big three, we'll say on defense, did not come back? And really probably not too different than what you saw in, in, in 15, 16, and I won't say 17, but 15 and 16 because – we lost, I think it was uh, eight starters uh, that year, in both years, both seasons, and we just plug and play. And the one thing you didn't mention is the returning defensive coordinator, and from what I've seen, he hasn't lost his edge in Brent Venables. So had we lost all these guys, I still think we would have been vying for a top 10, if not top 5, defense in the country. And that, that's, I mean, that, that lot of, a lot of burden on Xavier Thomas and some of these younger guys. But it was it was within, within the realm of possibility – uh, knowing these guys come back, though, it just takes it to a, a whole new level. I mean, what else can you say? Yeah, I mean, this is going to be probably the most exciting. I mean, as it, amazing as it is to say this, this is probably going to be the most exciting Clemson defense to watch in this Dabo Sweeney era. I think so. I mean, if, if you like sacks, well, the, thing, the great thing about Venable's defense is how they shoot their gaps. And as, as Alex Kraft would say, the 4-3 over front, it's all about getting into the gaps and, and creating havoc in the backfield at the line of scrimmage. And it's so fun to watch our defensive line, the, the, the these big athletic guys, even a defensive tackle that can move like Dexter Lawrence and Christian Wilkins. It is entertaining as hell to watch. And we the last several years has just been, it's been unbelievable. And this should be uh, the best version of it, should be. Yeah, and I mean, listen, it's, it's great to see a high-flying offense, but really the identity of of Clemson's uh, success in their past has been on the shoulders of a really strong defense, a hard-nosed defense. And it has been thrilling to see what Brent Venables has done, been able to come into this program. And as you mentioned, when when we lose guys to the NFL, 
um, they just plug guys back in. You think about all the defensive linemen, specifically the defensive ends that have just come out of nowhere, right? not really doing much the previous season. You go back to the Farrell, Beasley, Kevin Dodd, Kevin Dodd, Andre Branch. I mean, all those guys that just come up and just have their their shiny moment. Um, and to be able to see four years of Christian Wilkins and whatever with three, three years of Austin Bryant with the injuries and three and a half, we'll three say and a half, three, three years clearly. with three with Cleveland Farrell, and yeah. then obviously it's gonna be the third with Dexter Lawrence. Just to, but really it's second and a half because he was at fifty percent last year. So Dexter Lawrence, yeah, true, yeah. So, so <laughs> I mean, the point is just to see like it's been a long time since we've had a core of defensive linemen, and I think that's where we're gonna start here. Um, a core of defensive linemen that have played together for two plus years. Yeah, well, let's. I mean, let's talk about what makes. I don't know who you want to start with. And well, what, what makes them so great? And well, for for one, it's. Like, I think the one thing that gets lost that no one talks about. We can talk about their skill and ability, and, we'll, and we will hit on that. But the big thing I, I think is the the leadership um, for a defensive end in particular, with all the the new, you know, the the new wrinkles that are thrown in modern offenses. Not not everyone in the ACC is, is you know is doing the Oregon you know offense or the Air Raid or Auburn's offense. But there's a lot more uh, advanced um, concepts, we'll say, that, that a defensive end has to tend to. And the fact that you have two seniors there, they're never going to be out of place. They're never going to miss their assignment. They're ready for everything. They're they're literally preparing like professionals. That's huge. And then, of course, I mean, just Wilkins is like the heart and soul of the team. He's like he's he's the heart. He's the engine. Yeah, I mean, he's the biggest personality, that's for sure. Um yeah, I mean, and we'll go ahead and get into the defensive line here. That's the logical place to start. But just looking at these four guys coming back, there's nothing really else that we can say about them that we haven't already, except for the, maybe the fact you mentioned it. Uh, Dexter Lawrence was playing at 50% last year with that toe injury. So seeing what he's able to be able to do this year, uh, not just relying on his sheer size and strength, um, he's going to have that motor back. He's going to have that quickness that we saw year one. Uh, so that's really something to look look out for there. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I think I think people forget how good he was as a freshman. He was, I mean, he was getting reps when you already had Carlos Watkins, who is right. a future NFLer, um, and and Scott Pagano, who was well ingrained into the system. You know, at that point, and he he just they, we couldn't keep him off the field because he was so damn good. And if you just remember him, like at, at his size, making his way into the backfield, he was unbelievable. You didn't see that last year, um, and he, the, his one gap in his freshman year was that he, his mentally he did he didn't understand things. He was just kind of going off ability. Yeah, this he, year he understands things, and last well this year he will understand things and have the physical ability. Last year, of course, he understood things but didn't have the physical ability uh, as he was limited by his injury. So yeah, that's the scary thing on this defensive line. Listen, we know what Clee can do. We know what Austin Bryant can do. Obviously, we know what number forty two can do. Uh, so seeing Dexter Lawrence now, I think it's going to come uh, full circle for him with the the ability, the health, um, and just the the third year being in the system. He is going to be a nightmare for opposing offensive linemen. Yeah, and he would be the one guy that I think he's firmly kind of there entrenched in that uh, top ten you know, draft conversation uh, or, or draft pick conversation. So. Incredible, like, and they're all super talented in their own right. I think I, I'm having a hard time between Klee and and Christian Wilkins, and who would be up next. It, probably Klee, just because he's such a tactician. Uh, he's gotten better with his technique every year. He's already quick. He's got great instincts. Um, good at judging snap count, so he can get a great first step. 
Um, it, I guess with Christian Wilkins, though, the, on the flip side of that, you can move him out if you're in a 3-4 as, as an NFL team or if you're a 4-3. He'll be a lead. He'll be your starter and, and be great. So well, it's yeah, it's the the versatility of Christian Wilkins. You see, when Bryant goes down the previous year, he moves out to defensive end, and how great he played there. Uh, All like American, a, yeah, by the way, look like a, like a natural in that end. position. We anticipate him playing safety this year. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's yeah. all over the place. He could be in the kicking like game, the, kicking oh, conversation. Yeah, 2015 Bama wouldn't happen if if uh, if Christian Wilkins were man in the backside. Yeah. Um, so, you know, spoil rotten on the defensive line this year. That That's all we can say, especially from the starters. But then when, once we start looking past the starters... Wait, look, Austin Bryant, we haven't talked about him. He was our most productive defensive end last true. year. Maybe the most productive player on the whole entire... on the entire uh, defensive line. So just want to throw that... Well, and it helps. I mean, when you're these four guys, it helps when you have the the one or two guys next to you, right? When you when you turn and look one way, he's got Christian Wilkins. And that's the other part way, you got, it, yeah. you got You got Farrell. Um that certainly helps. I mean, it's like you pick your poison if you're the opposing offense. Like, who do you want to let get you? Exactly. One of them. Are go- one of them's going to. I mean, that that could be the way they play it. It's like, hey, we're gonna if in basketball, if we're gonna leave one guy open, it's gonna be Austin Bryant. And last year, he made teams pay. Um, and I, I think this year, like, I think he was a third round grade is what he got. He's he's come back. He's again professional mindset. A great kid. Great character. He's he's looking to be a first round pick, so he's playing for a lot. Yeah, it was funny. I saw I think a link on uh, the Tiger Nets message boards to some Furman message board where the fans are just talking crap, saying, "Oh, the game against Furman could be cl- or could be closer than they think because we got these four guys on the defensive line. They're kind of protecting themselves, ready for the NFL." I'm like, "That's you know they chose three of them chose to come back. That's not going to happen. That's not their mindset. These guys, like you said, they're in my mind mentally professionals at this point." Yeah, and, and everything they do. If we have to roll out Xavier Thomas and KJ Henry, then so be it against Furman. Yeah, we'll be fine. Sorry, Paladins fans that listen to the podcast. Well, that poor Clemson student who's the quarterback for Furman is going to get up close and personal with uh, his own brethren, so to speak. Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, there's a Clemson, technically a Clemson enrolled student for, from some program that Furman and Clemson has. Uh, Furman's likely or possible starting quarterback is enrolled at Clemson for some classes. So we don't need a spy to be Furman, but we'll take everything we can. We'll do it. Maybe he's spying on us. Um, so who do we have at the defensive line behind these guys? Well, let's talk about de facto starter number five, Huggy Bear, um, big Albert Huggins. He's put in the work on this football team. He's earned a co-starter role at defensive tackle with Dexter Lawrence. Um, I love the mentality of this guy, uh, not to pout being behind so many good players and then having, uh, he would have sl- uh, slid over into Christian Wilkins' position had Christian Wilkins uh, not come back this year. That has not deterred him. Albert Huggins played with a lot of heart last year. He's going to do it this year. So really great. I think it was a great honor by the coaching staff to list him as a co-starter because they are recognizing him and rewarding him for all the work he's put in for this football team. Yeah, it's. It, I don't want to call it unfortunate because this guy still has another year. Because his career, he's been good, especially the la- especially last year. But it had the the core four, core three, I should say, on the D line not 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 have come back. I don't. It's not like he would have been like, "Hey, we have a good player in Albert Huggins." I think we had a potentially a really good, if not great, player in Albert Huggins at that. Yeah, three, you he's know, gonna, he'll Christian, get drafted yeah. this year. Yeah, he's he's going to be really good. Um, I I think he's going to be able to make his mark this season. Like, even though he's going to have, you know, he's only going to get 300, 400 snaps. 
he'll make his mark. But he's I, I like the move of listing him as a, as a co-starter. Yeah, I, I think what teams NFL teams are going to see on field um, on the field this year in his senior season are going to be enough uh, to get him drafted next year. I mean, he could easily be a top four pick. I think just on ability alone. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so that's a great guy to have in there to plug in. I mean, a lot of these other positions uh, in the in the backups, we're going to be talking about just not a lot of guys with experience. We're going to be talking about their sheer talent and how that projects. But Albert Huggins is a guy who has the experience. He's been here four years. He's a senior. He knows the system, and he has uh, unquestioned ability. Um, so that's a very valuable asset to have there. Um uh, kind of backing uh, them up, we'll stick with that defensive tackle position. You got Niles Pickney, another guy. Probably he might have had a little bit of frustration because he was eyeing uh, much increased playing time coming into this season. Uh, he's got a high ceiling. I think he's high on our list with a guy who has a lot of potential. I'm really excited to see him get in there this year and get some more snaps. Yeah, it's important we don't look at these guys as like career reserves. That's not who they are. I think no, they're they're starters on a lot of other teams by their second year. Yeah, and and, and hopefully stars, starters at some teams, stars fires eventually down the road. And I think Pinkney is is in that same vein because he he drawn comparisons to to uh, the Grady Jarrett, and I think that those are not like that's out a of, good comparison. It's a really good one. Yeah, and he he was good in his redshirt freshman year last year. I think I think you did see a, a I don't want to say a noticeable drop off when he when he got in, but he looked like a redshirt freshman at times. I think he's going to get better. I mean, third year now, one year of actually getting real playing time. He's just another another talented player, and I think it, it's in part um, the the greatness of the of this defensive line. It can only get so much better from last year. Granted, Dexter Lawrence's full health will have a lot to say in that. What will make this defensive line better is just going to be guys like Pinkney taking it to the next level because that's when you saw the drop-off last year in this defense. Well, then we'll move over to the other tackle position behind Kristen Wilkins. Um, you got Jordan Williams, uh, redshirt freshman. He transitioned from defensive end in high school, uh, moving inside. He's put on some weight. He's up to 280, if not more, in the, the last weigh-in right now. I think he's 300-plus now. He may be 300-plus. Yeah. He listed 280 coming out of the spring. Um, this is a guy that we expect uh, to show some flashes this year. The coaches are talking really highly about him. We know he has the talent. It was just about putting it together mentally in that position switch. Yeah, he was a little raw in high school, too, and he played defensive end, made the conversion to defensive tackle. He put on more weight. But he's he's the guy that he's the guy that's like the get-off-the-bus guy, 6'5 now, and or 6'5 and 300-plus pounds, like, but with unbelievable uh, athletic ability. And I, I think he – I don't – I think he's going to be able to fill uh, Christian Wilkins' shoes uh, as best as you can uh, by next year. But another player, it's like, well, how do you find snaps for this guy when you already have Huggins as, as the next guy in line? But I, the, coaches, the coaches will find it. Mop-up time will be readily available. Mop-up time is going to start happening in the second quarter a lot this year, I believe. I think so, and like you're not you're not going to want to turn off the TV, and we're gonna they're going to be running up scores, not because we want because we're trying to embarrass anyone, but because you want to get Jordan Williams playing time, and he's just yeah. starter level good. I mean, it was not uncommon last year to see third stringers in there in the second quarter, late in the second quarter of games. Um, and, yeah. and the schedule is weaker this year. I expect to see that trend continue. Yeah, so Jordan Williams, yeah, he's going to be a player. Just, just keep an eye on him, like watch him. He's going to make some he's exciting plays, and this year should be a good bridge into next year when we absolutely need him. He'll he'll be a starter. Yeah, and then so wrapping it up, let's go to another the true freshman, Darnell Jeffries. We spoke a little bit about him. I think it was kind of on the fence uh, coming into fall camp this year about whether or not he would take a red shirt. Um, but it's looking more and more what we're hearing that he's actually going to see some playing time this year. Again, that's. 
that's going to be because when we go into next year, you're going to lose uh, Wilkins, uh, Lawrence, and Huggins at your defensive tackle position, uh, putting some other young guys up into the, the first team starters. So that that second team is going to have some gaps. He's a guy good to get him ready to see if he can move up in one of those positions. So let's move it back out to defensive end here, looking behind the the, the incumbent starters. Uh, start behind Cleveland Farrell. You got Justin Foster. Uh, he's a converted linebacker, outside linebacker from high school, uh, backing up Farrell. Um, and then you have Xavier Kelly. Uh, Xavier Kelly is a guy who, speaking of the, the tackle position, he's been getting some reps inside right there um, uh, d- during fall camp. So it's been interesting to see that. He's a guy that came out of Kansas, a uh, four-star recruit who needed some grooming. He was raw. He wasn't quite there. So it's interesting to see him not quite get his footing yet and having uh, – Justin Foster there and only his second year move above him on the depth chart. Yeah. If you put, yeah, if you put a Xavier Kelly on the 2007 Clemson squad, he's, he's a co-starter. He's, he's at least in the two deep. Um, if not starting, uh, it's just, it's really hard to crack this depth chart when you have NFL players, um, that are starting for you right now. And, and Xavier Kelly looked really just raw, but extremely athletic, uh, talent in, in terms in coming out of high school, like you said, um, it'll be interesting where what he does uh, it, at 265. He's not a defensive tackle. If they need him to do some some stuff at uh, in terms of pass rush, maybe he can provide that. Uh, but it'll be good for him next year if he can keep his mind uh, right and and you know stay in a good frame of mind. Then uh, yeah, that, that that'll be very good. He could be one of these late bloomers that we were talking about earlier that comes on his senior season. And it's just all world. Yeah, and we don't. What's unfortunate is we don't know that he maybe he has already has bloomed and like he just he won't. Uh, potentially get his chance we'll see the one guy you talked about justin foster first he was the one guy last year where i i I was really i wasn't super positive about him making i actually wanted him to stay at outside linebacker but some guys they just they develop their body just fills out and his body was filling out so it was like a no-brainer to put him at in and I, i i was just i didn't know if he would be able to carry that weight and keep his what was in high school I would say really good quickness and, and and burst, and I think in his first year he looked a little bit like a like a puppy that had you know big paws. He was just he's trying to carry this new weight and kind of clumsy. I would say in the spring game when I saw was just a, little, a guy that looked like nothing but pure muscle. He had he had I think he's up to two sixty plus, if if not maybe a little bit more. He, he's two fifty five coming out of the spring, so it's safe to assume that he put on some muscle in the off season. Okay, so he's he carried the weight really well great first step he's maintaining his speed it looks like he's really put in the work no surprise like we knew he was a good kid like a good work ethic i, I think he's I, I think he's a really promising player for the future I, I really like what i saw from him too out of the spring game um yeah i mean you just got to be when you're looking at the depth of defensive end again not a lot of guys who have a ton of experience but you have to be drooling over the talent um so backing those guys up, we will end with KJ Henry, the five-star true freshman. Again, there was he came uh, he came into school uh, more bulked up than expected, which is going to bode well for him getting playing time this year. Um, whether or not he gets significant playing time this year, he's going to need to be an impact player going into next year. And then uh, finally wrapping it up behind Farrell's Richard Yergin, a guy who's dealt with injuries. Um, he's a, a, a grad student. Um, it, it's sounding like he may get another year uh, next year because of the red shirt rule that was implemented this year. But he's a guy that it's kind of unknown. You kind of you feel bad for the kid. He's um, he's he's dealt with a lot. So it'll be interesting to see if he's able to move up that depth chart. 
Yeah, he was, you know, if you, you know, just two years ago, he was right there, you know, uh, neck and neck with Cleveland Farrell for that weak side defensive end position or uh, starting position. Cleveland Farrell was just so talented. He, you know, he was going to take over that role eventually. But uh, Richard Regan wasn't a slouch. And then in the national championship game, who came in, uh, to, you know, when Farrell got hurt, I think it was in the late third or early fourth quarter, it was, it was Jurgen. So uh, let's not forget about that. But, it, you know, it seems like he's been. His body took some, some, it was pretty traumatic. Yeah. So, yeah, we wish him the best. And if, even if it takes him another year, and hopefully, you know, he'll, he'll use that time to get healthy, but it, it's going to be tough for him at this point to. Yeah. It's going to be tough for him to, yeah. to crack the two deep for sure, even going into next year with all the talent that this team has. Yeah. Um, so, flip it over to the other side behind Austin Bryant, um, second team, Chris Register. He's a grad student as well. So, good to have um, some experience there. Um, behind him, you have Logan Rudolph. Uh, he ended up getting his red shirt last year after being injured. And, and so it'll be interesting, the battle between these two guys, you got seniority versus the young talent to see how that plays out. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's playing out all over the, uh, the defensive line depth chart. It's uh, I mean, Chris register is not, is by no means going to wow you with any type of physical ability, but he's, he knows and he's he knows committed, he's, he's committed to yeah. the program. He knows what he's doing as a defensive end. So, you know, who do you go with? And then you have the upside, you know, uh, high upside, high, more upside at least, uh, redshirt freshman. What do you do? Yeah, then you have Xavier Thomas, and then you have Xavier <laughs> Thomas. I think I know. I think I know my decision as there. Your four string defensive end right now. So we'll see how that that pecking order changes coming out of camp. But when you talk about between him and KJ Henry, he's the guy that we expect. It's more likely to right away. Uh, to have a to have an impact. Um, I think if Austin Bryant does not return for his senior year that Xavier Thomas has a legitimate shot to eventually be starting at some point. Yeah, you're right. So with Xavier Thomas, he he's the one talent uh, on the defensive line. And, and this is not to hold anything against anyone else. It's just that that's how good Cleland Farrell and Austin Bryan are as your top end talent defensive ends. There's one guy that can match that talent level and it's Xavier Thomas, as far as we know. And uh, it, it, yeah, you're right. If Austin Bright doesn't come back, he's the one player on both sides of the line, by the way, who could potentially give you that that all American grade. I don't want to call him that quite yet, but because he'll you'll see some inconsistencies, uh, he'll make some mistakes. Yeah, but you also he'll also do some things that'll be like, wow, no one else can do that on our team. Yeah, I mean the physical ability is there. It's, it, that is not going to need to be. That's not something you can learn. He just inherently has that. Um, he'll have fresh mistakes. You hold you, when when they ask Dabo, the, a lot of these reporters, a lot of times about these freshmen. The common thing that you hear from them, he's like, "Oh, he's there physically. He's got all the tools. He's a monster. Uh, you know, flying all over the place. They don't always know where they're going." <laughs> <laughs> and Xavier Thomas is, is one of those guys who doesn't always know where he's going, uh, but he's getting there wherever that is. Yeah, I mean, look for him to do some things where you're like shaking your head this year. Um, yeah, so that wraps up the defensive line. I'm not sure we really even need any of these other positions we're about to talk about just because of how dominant this defensive line is going to be this year. They're going to be harassing quarterbacks all up and down the schedule. I feel sorry for those kids. Um, I, you know, their mothers are shaking their boots right now. That being said, you still got to field 11 guys. So let's move on to the linebackers. Okay, we mentioned him uh, previously here. Let's uh, start with Kendall Joseph. Uh, he returns for his senior season. He will be the starting outside linebacker uh, for the Tigers. He's listed on the depth chart coming out of the spring. 
We hear this was a clerical era, and we're not sure. Should have been Kendall Joseph or Trey Lamar listed at the middle linebacker position. Our anticipation is that had a lot to do with Trey Lamar's injury at the end of last year, him coming back from the stinger. Um, so our anticipation coming out of fall going into the season is that you're going to see Trey Lamar at that middle linebacker position and Kendall Joseph uh, starting on the weak side, which is where we would prefer him to be. Yeah, and I think bar an injury, it's pretty solidified despite what clerical error or otherwise may have happened on the depth chart. I, I think those are your two frontline starters, and you feel really good about both of those guys, um, more so than anyone else. And not knocking anyone else, just that's we feel really good about those two guys. Yeah, and again, this this is a position of trust on, the, on a Brent Venables defense. It doesn't matter how much talent you have. You see that with Shaq Smith. Um He's not going to put you in there unless you know that position. So it's really, really hard for kids to come in as freshmen and, you know, crack the depth chart. Trey Lamar did that in his first year, uh, got some playing time, moved into the starters role last year, uh, got banged up at the end of the season, did not play in the the semifinal game that held him out, even though he was ready to go. So I think it's uh, kind of a little underplayed coming out of the spring. Uh, Trey Lamar should make a big impact this year in the linebacker position. But again, just the having Kendall Joseph back makes a world of difference because otherwise you're looking at J.D. Davis, not to talk bad about him. He's actually, uh, him and his brother have done amazing things uh, and ex- exceeded expectations by far um, in a Clemson uniform. But still, you feel much more comfortable having Trey Lamar starting at the mic position and Kendall Joseph at the will. Yeah, it's 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 physically Trey Lamar is exactly what you want. I mean, you couldn't you know make him out in the lab any better than what he is, and he's so athletic. He can move for a guy that's six three, and he's about two fifty or two forty. Um, he's I, I think we missed that, and you know we, there was a lot of things that went wrong in the Alabama game, but uh, with their ground and pound, uh, you know a gap b gap running game, like you need a guy that can play downhill and not just get to the runner, but just Move the pile, ba- move the pile back, and that's Trey Lamar. And there's not really anyone else on our team that can really do what he does. I think physically. Yeah, no, the pile was certainly moving in the wrong direction um, against Alabama last year. So, and yeah, it's part of the reason why he wasn't in there. I mean, I know they said he was healthy enough and ready to play, but when you have a stinger in your shoulder and you're going up against Alabama's bruising run- running backs and offensive linemen and their blockers and everything, yeah, like, they're getting in the second level and hitting yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like that, it's not going to hold up too long. And the the more you re- keep re-injuring stingers like that, it becomes degenerative, um, and it can become a problem. So I think, in hindsight, probably really smart to move uh, to keep him out of that game. And the defense is not why we lost Alabama last year. No, no, not at all. But uh, but he he adds that like because we might play Alabama, we might play Georgia, and then it's it's similar. And he adds that uh, or Ohio State would be another good example of a team that's going to have that smash mouth running ability. Um, so he. Like, He's going to do some things you're just not going to see otherwise on the roster. Um, flipping to Kendall Joseph, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. He's quietly become one of the best linebackers in Clemson history. It's kind of like Mitch Hyatt. Like you're not, you don't talk about. We're not, we're not talking about these guys with the same type of acclaim, but they, that's what they've done. They've just been two of the best in their position in Clemson history. Uh, of and I haven't. I'm not a historian of Clemson football, but I can confidently say that no one else has done what they've done. Um, and this is third year as a starter now. Yeah, yeah he's in fifth year in the program. Fifth year in the program. He's he wasn't. Uh, you know, he's not an NFL bound. He he may play in the NFL, but he's not like not going to be first second round. He doesn't have those measurables. Now he might be like a sixth or seventh round guy, undrafted free agent, something like that. That's special teams. Where, yeah, you know, where he projects. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. Which is fine. That's a paycheck. <laughs> 
Yeah, for Clemson, no, he's paycheck in the NFL. For Clemson, it's he's like all American, all conference every year. That's what he's been the last three years. That's how that's how valuable he is. It's all about his instincts. It's all about um, he's great at in pursuit of. He doesn't do as much blitzing as like Bulware did, but um, but when he's back there, he's just got a great feel for the game. Uh, he's everything you could ask for in a linebacker at the will spot. And I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that he's better in coverage than Ben Bulware was. I've heard both linebackers are actually working on their ability and coverage. Um, it, it hasn't been a strength of this team. Um, well, it's not going to be a strength of many teams. Right. But but it is, you know, again, when we're looking for areas in which that these guys need to improve and it's hard to find them, um, that's one that we can point to. Agreed. And I, I, think, I think between both of them, with them working on that, if that's sideline to sideline speed, I think we're just, I think we're in great shape. You're not getting a physical like stud of an athlete with Kendall Joseph, but uh, but he checks all the boxes. He's he's really good, and he's a guy you can trust. Um, all right, so I mentioned J.D. Davis. Um, in all likelihood, he's going to be second team uh, weak side linebacker uh, behind Kendall Joseph this year. Again, I, I mentioned it earlier. You know, these are guys uh, between him and his brother Judah, um, who is um, fourth on the jet depth chart at uh, the Mike position. You know, these are guys that a lot of people criticized Dabo for bringing onto the team when they were freshmen. You know, they had the five-star Dabo um, moniker attached to them um, as these legacy guys that maybe didn't fit the mold of Clemson. They were talented enough to play, but these are two guys, and JD in particular, who have worked their ass off for this Clemson football team. JD played significant, meaningful minutes last year, and he's going to do the same this year. Um, couldn't be more proud to call both of them Clemson Tigers. And I'm really hoping, like, there's storylines on this team uh, to be found throughout the roster, but should Clemson go on to win a national championship this year, and both of these guys have significant impacts, they're going to be two of the guys that I'm most happy for. They have the right pedigree. Um, Yeah. And with that, let me now, like, completely shit on them. Um, Not really, but I actually think there's two guys that are, um, we're going to talk about next, that are probably going to be, they're going to supplant them. They both, especially, uh, I believe it was Judah that had a, a really good finish to the season last year. But I think ultimately Jamie Skowski, who can play both positions, uh, outside or, or inside linebacker, and Chad Smith, uh, who are, have a little bit more tenure, are both now have like three or four years in the program. Yeah, Skowski is a, a true junior. Chad Smith, a red shirt, so he's been in four years. Yeah, and, Redford and Jr., sorry. For Smith, uh, I believe he, you know, he's going to stick primarily at, at Mike, but he could play outside. But I think he's he is a a very viable uh, candidate to, to 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 go in and, and you know fill Lamar's shoes. Not not to the same degree, but like he'll be good. And then Skowski is they called him like a bulwark clone a long time ago, and I really think he's just a guy that he would be starting right now, and we wouldn't we would have a really good linebacker on our hands. But Kendall Joseph just just so happened to stay another year. Yeah, so you, obviously you're not going to supplant him. But, I mean, good options to have there, the backup linebacker position. Um, you know, Another guy I mentioned him, Shaq Smith. He's one, came in the same class a couple years ago as Trey Lamar, both um, highly rated five-star players. Hasn't really been able to put it get together, Shaq Smith. Um, that is... Uh, but you've heard good things. He's, he's got all the physical tools. It's mentally, it, it hasn't come to him as quick as is a Trey Lamar, but you have heard a lot of good things. And like this, again, this offseason, yeah, we've heard good things. And, and the linebacker position is the toughest to play in a, in a Brent Venables defense. Again, we talked about the trust that he has to have in somebody. So, you know, Shaq Smith is not a bust by any stretch of the imagination. It's only his 
uh, third year in the program. Uh, this is only going into his second year playing. Uh, he redshirted his freshman year. So I think you'll start to see flashes of brilliance uh, this year, or really the light start to come on his head this year. I think next year is a time where he's really going to start to take off. It's crazy to think that he is a sophomore, granted, a redshirt sophomore, granted, but because you expect like big things out of five-star players, like you said. But, man, I, I have a lot of hope for this kid. I'm like, I'm rooting for him just because – people don't understand how hard it is for these kids to get five-star status and then not make a name for themselves within the first year or two at a, at a college. And he's been buried on a depth chart. He's going to have his chance. And I, I, I admire, I, I really appreciate him sticking to it. And he, and he loves, Clemson. here's the thing. He loves Clemson. Like he, and he's, he's been like a, he's tried to become a leader, even though he's not playing. Yeah. And, I mean, and what to be said for that. And one of the things that you have to give the coaches credit for, and it's spoken about a lot is that there's no entitlement on this football team. Uh, from top to bottom. I mean, if, if the worst case scenario is you have a guy like Mark Fields, you keep trying to nudge uh, to mentally get there, um, to be all bought in, but that's still, you've gotten a lot of Mark Fields where we get a lot out of him this year. There's not been a lot of drama there anywhere uh, throughout this roster. Um, so again, I think that speaks to the, the, the coaching and the atmosphere that built around this football team, removing that entitlement day one when these guys, these five-star guys specifically, step on campus. And I would have to think that Christian Wilkins and guys like that, the are leadership, Cleveland Farrell, who is like these like hardworking dudes, Austin Bryant, like if that's your top-down like management approach, like it's it's pretty hard to be entitled yeah. as. And they uh, run off people like Josh Belk, who just aren't going to fit the mold. So we so we think. Well, I guess that's speculation, but I think the writing's on the wall there. Yeah. Um, so let's move now before we wrap up the linebackers, and we, we save this position for last because it's more of a hyper position in the in the Venable scheme. Uh, let's go to the to the Sam linebacker nickelback position. Uh, Isaiah Simmons steps in this year, um, replacing Dorian O'Daniel, who again this is another guy that was a little bit slow to come on. He saw flashes of brilliance throughout early on in his career, especially against you know teams like Georgia Tech. But Jordan O'Daniel was huge for this team last year, especially in coverage. He was a monster. Isaiah Simmons is stepping into that role this year, and it looks like we have another monster in our hands. I hope so. Um, I, the one thing people don't know, or you hear Sam and Nickel, and those te- those terms are a lot of times used interchangeably. They're not necessarily the same thing. A strong side linebacker will. We'll, Generally, we'll we like to ideally we'll say we won't Dorian O'Daniel every day of the week. A guy that is a linebacker but can drop into coverage as a nickel. He's also like four four speed. Yeah, he has unbelievable speed. But you're just like you know, Dorian O'Daniels don't grow on trees, and, and so we know that. Um, so you try to find the best person, and the reason this is so important is because when you're playing these high up tempo teams, what what call, uh, modern offensive coordinators are trying to do because you can't substitute regularly is get you in a mismatch situation where you have that Ryan Carter, that, that small nickel back out there. Um, and no one likes a nickel back. Um, so, Oh, um, so what they, they want to do is like hit you, you know, hit, hit one up the, um, run, run right at that person and, and, and take the, and, and send the blockers their way. So it, it becomes a little inefficiency that these offensive coordinators are, are trying to, to kind of put, you know, Put into action and in to a lot of success. Dorian O'Daniel is the is the complete antidote to that. So what we, and he was amazing. We can't underestimate how great he was last year. What he meant just because of we, we'll call it the switch hitting ability. Doesn't matter if you're right or lefty out there. He's always ready. Right. So how is how does well first uh, great dad joke there. Um, listeners are gonna think Tully's here. Um, how does Isaiah Simmons slip into that role? How's he gonna fare? 
so that he's the one guy. If you have that your traditional safety, he's going to be good in coverage. I don't I don't worry about him so much in coverage. Um, it's just a matter of is he going to like he's six four. Is he going to be able to like take on some blocks and get good leverage to get around a, a, a tight end or an offensive lineman that's getting in the second level? Is he going to be able to get quick and and get around them well, and he, take the right angles? Well, he's and, the size of a tight end, so I I mean I like his chances. I mean, you it's look, it's more about leverage though. That's what yeah. Dorian Daniel was so great at. It was finding the right angles, um, and that's what made him so good. He could redirect really quickly too. So he's like I don't think Isaiah Simmons is going to be Dorian Daniel, and that's going to no, be our but, but, one but, weak spot. But he brings his own skill set. I mean, he's going to lay the wood when he hits people. Um, so I mean, again, he is a different player. It's about how he mentally uh, transitions into this role and how he's able to adapt into it. Because again, the mental aspect is such a big part of this this position and the scheme. Yeah, no, you're you're exactly right. It's not to say he won't do a good job because I think he'll do a really good job. He's he's an athletic freak. It's just like you said, he's going to bring his own uh, abilities and where you can you know send him to the as a pass rusher. He can actually go high, like put his arms up and literally keep it keep his eyes on the quarterback. Um, and look at his, the quarterback size and block and block and deflect some passes. Well, and part of the reason that we're kind of in this position where they have Simmons slipping into this role is because when you look behind him, you have Jalen Williams as the second uh, teamer. Uh, he's a grad student. Um, he's a bit on the small side, 5'10", about 210 pounds. So he, he gives up height and weight to a lot of guys he's going to be going up against. Uh, an experienced player. He's a solid player. And we're not going to lose too much should he have to go into the game, but I think that's where you do start to identify a weak point. Um, so because of that, you really want to avoid having to switch Isaiah Simmons back to safety. Um, and we'll talk about the safeties here in a moment because he is going to be very valuable at this position because I think he's going to bring a lot of things that Jalen Williams lacks. And you, and the other part is you can't put an, uh, a corner into the nickelback this year because we're we're completely depleted there. So, yeah, if you do it like a wins above replacement, um, and you just kind of graded the replacement levels, and in this case, that would be your second teamer. He's the most important player on our team because there's a huge drop off, and and you can't even begin to explain the importance of, of that for the various reasons that we just we just covered. So he's he's huge. Um, he's very important. Jalen Williams can be good. But uh, it's like Isaiah Simmons and Isaiah Simmons, if he puts together a great year, the NFL could come calling next year. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He's in his money year now. He's, he's, he's got the measurables. Year. And then, yeah, but for a team like Alabama, if they see Jalen Williams, I mean, the guy will be good against, you know, 99% of your opponents. But when you play Alabama or one of these teams that we've talked about, it's like that's that's a I'm going to circle that on film. I see the my I see my mismatch. Well, fortunately, the the strength of the defensive line is going to mask a lot of weaknesses throughout the rest of this uh, um, uh, defensive side of the ball. And again, that part of that's going to be in the secondary, which we'll talk about. But um, but before we move off of the the line the this particular the nickelback position, I think Mike Jones Jr. is going to be the heir apparent at this position. He's a true freshman this year. I uh, doubt he redshirts. Uh, expect him to get. Uh, meaningful playing time just to start to groom him for playing next year. Should Isaiah Simmons go to the league? Yeah, I like I like him. Bill Inspector. We can lump these two guys in the same category. Uh, Spector will be a redshirt freshman, I believe. Um, so both both were safeties in high school. I really like the approach of taking it like with the way the, the modern offenses are going. I like having a safety that's got a good build to him that can also you know put on the weight to be a linebacker. And you get that I think with both 
uh, Mike Jones Jr., as well as Balen Spector. And you've heard really good things of, of Spector in coverage this year. No surprise, he is more of a DB. But I, 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 I see him, I see both of these guys as uh, potentially heir apparent. I don't know who will ultimately win that out. Probably Mike Jones, but um, I think he can give you a little bit of depth. Well, I, I think the key is there is that we're going to need depth. You've got Jalen Williams definitely coming off the book. Uh, books next year and possibly Isaiah Simmons, that's going to leave you without your two deep, right? So guys like Balen Spector and Mike Jones Jr. are going to need to step into that role. And they've recruited, and they've recruited for this position right. now. Uh, it seems like for the last several uh, handful of years, um, more so than like what they've done uh, in the past. Uh, let's put Travis Blanks there, who is a safety. Uh, of course, Isaiah Simmons, ideally we would like him at safety, but um, now we're recruiting more for it over the last few years. And, and I think that's going to, it's gonna. It's uber important the way things are going. Yeah, and it's kind of a niche position that's evolved um, as as defensive ha- defenses have in response to the evolution of modern offenses. The offenses te- tend to lead the way, um, kind of the leading edge of things, and the defenses uh, eventually catch up. So again, this is a position that's kind of evolved over the last few years into what it is, and we're starting to see these like hybrid athletes being recruited and placed in, in these positions. Um, okay, so that wraps it up for the linebackers. Uh, let's move on now to the secondary. Okay, so speaking of areas where we have a ton of talent, but a dearth of depth. Let's start with the cornerback position. We'll move on to safeties after that. So we do have three returning corners who have significant playing time and starting experience. Uh, Mark Fields is the uh, has seniority. He's the senior coming into this year. He hasn't really... Put it all together. We're hearing from the coaches that this is the best version of Mark Fields that they've seen throughout fall camp. Um, and speaking of money years, this is it for him. This is his. He he played as a true freshman. This is his fourth year. Um, this is his last year in school. There's no question, no doubt about his immense physical abilities. It's all been between the ears. That's been the talk. What we're hearing is is that he's putting it together this year, and that's really encouraging. Yeah, and I want to give him the benefit of the doubt because we conflate. Uh, his inability to to buy in, and that's been a whole theme his whole career. But when you're dealing with injuries like he did last year, I don't want to say that's one and the same with what happened his freshman and sophomore year where he just wasn't quite there mentally. And it had to be discouraging last year. Maybe if he does come into the season with a different mindset and then you start sustaining injuries like that that are keeping you out, that's that's frustrating. I, yeah, because I think, I think mentally it seemed like he took a step. Um, so I, I think mentally if he was out of it and the same guy that came in as a freshman, he wouldn't still be on this football team. I, I agree. I mean, he's, he's taking some steps forward. He knows it's his last year. Um, in terms of talent, he's he's our one guy that's like sub six feet on out of the cornerback position, which tells you where we've where we've come in recruiting. But he's also our best cover guy. He's unbelievably talented. And aside from uh, apparently Calvary McMichael, he's our fastest, probably our fastest guy in a forty um, at the position. So he can he can fly. He can cover. Um, he he can be literally Mac Alexander. He's that good. That's his upside. Mac Alexander was just as mentally tough as they come. So that's 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 that deficit. But he's got more career interceptions than McKenzie did. Well, McKenzie uh, he had stone hand or webbed hands or I don't know. He couldn't catch. They didn't throw his way a lot, but yeah, when they when they that's, did when they did his hands, they tended to hit the turf right after that. Um, good to point. his credit, Mark Fields does have uh, uh, in, interceptions under his belt. Um, so, A.J. Terrell, the uh, freshman phenom, five-star guy from last year, is a uh, true sophomore this year. He is listed at co-starter um, uh, with Mark Fields. Um, you know, we know about his talent. 
I think coming into this year, it was all about putting on some more weight, physically maturing than, you know, mentally, obviously that part of the game that you're going to grow um, when you transition from freshman to sophomore. Yeah, I think you you hit on it. His one big deficit in terms of being elite, and I'm not talking about just good, but elite because that he was a five star. Um, it was his size, and he still hasn't like. We'll see how he comes along as a as a as a true sophomore. But the one thing that I like when I watched him as a freshman, he just jumps out at you. He was the one guy when we were getting into mop up duty. His speed, his athleticism, he he still hits. He's still aggressive. So I really like him. If if he's not elite this year. I still expect him to be good with then a year or two left to be elite. Um, yeah, and so behind, I mean, between Fields and Terrell, it, whether or not Terrell's elite, he's still going to be really good this year. And we saw flashes of that last year. So amongst the starters there, you feel really confident between Terrell and Fields. Like We feel confident with the talent level of those guys. Um it's never been a question really, and even over the past few seasons about the guy who's starting, it's been about the depth behind them. That's where we've been lacking and being able to sustain injury. That's this cornerback is one of the position groups and safety as a whole where we haven't had that luxury. Yeah. And it's not getting a whole lot better this year, but that top in town is really good. And by the way, what do we, what do we mean by elite? I think we should define that because that's just kind of tossed out arbitrarily. A well, lot a of guy times. that you can throw out on an Island, um, you know, man coverage. I agree. Yeah, man coverage. I mean, it's somebody yeah. that, that you trust to put out there and he's on his guy. and doesn't need any help over the top from the safeties. Totally agree. I like that. And, and I think you I definitely think you get that in Mullen and, and yeah, potentially fields. So let's, let's keep on here with Mullen. He's the, the starter on the opposite side of the field. Trayvon Mullen comes into now his uh, junior year. Him and um, Kevon Wallace came in in the same class. Uh, the recruitment of those guys, picking them up at the last minute, especially how depleted we have been in the secondary, was was absolutely huge. So Trayvon Mullen will be your starter this year um, as well, uh, leading off the season at cornerback. Um, he's a guy who played a lot and played decent amount as a true freshman, and now this is going to be an impact season for him. I think so. I mean, we- Quite possibly. I picked him in the last episode that – you asked me if there was one other guy besides quarterback or running back that can win a Heisman on this team. We got started about the defensive side of the ball. I picked Trayvon Mullen. Yeah, you just you just mentioned him for like the way the rot, the way things are shaking out with the defensive line. And no, not a bad pick. I foresee interceptions, pick sixes this it, year. To for me, Mullen. superb he, athlete. He he is. He kind of he's a little bit head and shoulders above everyone else, and not in a bad way. That's not an indictment on anyone else. It's just. That's how talented he is. That's how like good he like how good of a season he looks to have. I would we're not alone. Like Athlon Sports predicted him as potentially an All-American. Don't be surprised. He's in his third year. He's got all the tools. It's just hard to find these. It's hard to find these six foot one, six feet, whatever he is, cornerbacks that can fly like him, but also are just disciplined. They, they they'll come down. They'll lay the wood when they need to, and you know tackle the right way in the open field. He's, yeah. he's he's great, man. And he could make the jump. Again, this is another guy that could make the jump to the NFL. I'm mean, expecting to if he has the season we want him to have. Season. And so, again, you start to look down the depth chart of who's behind them. If you don't bring in guys like Kyler McMichael and Mario Goodrich this year, you're looking at Lee Anthony Williams. He's at six foot. Brian Dawkins Jr. is at 5'7". Uh, these are kind of remnants of, of those more prototypical six-foot area, you know, range safeties. You're starting to see us bring in much taller safeties um, in most more recent classes. Corners. Uh, corners, sorry. Uh, Terrell and Mullen are examples of that. 
Um, McMichael and Goodrich are also examples of that, um, not to mention the guys who were piling up in the 2019 class. Um, so this is still a position group that is a little bit thin on top. Um, we'll see what Goodrich and McMichael do this year. We expect them to factor it heavily because when you look behind the incumbent starters here, you're looking at Lee Anthony Williams, who's coming in now into his uh, redshirt freshman year. I think as a true freshman last year, it wasn't so discouraging. We weren't so down with the fact that he did take a redshirt last year, but I think during his recruitment, we expect him expected him to have more of an immediate impact. We thought he could potentially have uh, some uh, of an impact based off his high school school, but like a, a good uh, Georgia school, but still like we knew he was a little bit raw and you could see that in his film, but you also liked him as a, uh, he's still quick and he's, he's got good size. So he's, Maybe this year isn't his like year that he blossoms, but I, I, down the road, I, I expect good things. Well, the thing is, between him, Goodrich, and McMichael, one of them is going to need to blossom. Because right now, coming out of the spring, Lee Anthony Williams is your two deep at both, both position groups. Yeah, and like let's say, let's say it's like this. It's not... If you wonder how this could impact the team, um, like let's don't look at a let's don't go look at a run the mill ACC team um, like NC State. Let's think of let's think of Bama, let's Alabama, think of Ohio State, Ohio State. Yeah, let's think of the big guys. If they see these guys on film, because we had uh, we have a few injuries um, or whatever the case, it's it's not their ability necessarily. I don't think I don't think it's their physical ability. It's it's just the ability to to throw some things out them and and manipulate them in ways where you know you're going to get the upper hand. They've done it before. We, 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 God knows we saw it. That would be where they would gain the edge, um, and just and just throwing some things at them, whether it's play action or if it's uh, if it's a certain like pick route or whatever the case. Um. So let's. But it's not their physical ability, is all I'm saying. Right. They're they're supremely talented players. And so speaking of that and the physical ability, nobody's going to question. The abilities of Kyler McMichael and Mario Goodrich coming in this year as true freshmen. Both are expected to have an impact this year. Both are expected to avoid a red shirt and play. I mean, they're, they're going to have to. Um, they're focusing them both right now at on the quarterback position right now. Uh, whether or not one of them tra- eventually transitions to safety remains to be seen. Um, but again, for, for the immediate future, they like to focus these true freshmen in on one particular position. Uh, it, the sounds of things coming out of fall camp is Kyler McMichael um, has the biggest chance to make an impact on the team this year. I agree. And, and they've said he is the fastest player. Dabo thinks he's like the fastest guy he's seen come through there. And we don't know what that means. We don't, you're, you're comparing that to Sammy, Jacoby, Ford. Uh, who like who are we talking? But Jacoby was fast. You're talking about just your... Your DBs are, like, like, but it sounds like they're saying fastest ever. Quick, shifty, just like straight up, straight line speed, fast. I, I think that's what they're saying, which is like, wow, I, we didn't expect that. Has but, he just been covering Hunter Rimfro, so he looks fast? <laughs> Good luck covering Hunter Rimfro, <laughs> even if you're fast. No, I, I agree. I think he's I, he's. If you're that fast, then by by all means, stay at cornerback where you want to stay. Yeah. And you'll we'll find a place for you on the roster. Yeah, so I think Goodrich maybe is more a likely scenario that he may eventually transition to safety. But what you're hearing about both these guys is physical tools. They're ready to play day one, immediate impact for this team. It's about how mentally um, they put it all together. It's one thing to hear positive things coming out of the first or second week of camp. You see a lot of these freshmen really start to hit a wall um, after the second week going into the third week. So... We'll see how that plays out. We're in the third week right now. Um, game prep starts next week, but 
Um, that being said, we expect both of them to play. I think so. I think, and with McMichael, they're going to have to. McMichael has a little bit of distance on on uh, right. Goodrich, I would say, but but they're both going to be great players in time. Okay, so let's talk safeties now. Another position group where again, top end talent there at, at the starter position. Uh, we're set. You got Kevon Wallace and Tanner Muse uh, uh, inserted there this year. Uh, Kevon Wallace, I mentioned him coming along with Trayvon Mullen. Uh, that was huge pickups in recruiting for this team. He's going to slide in to Van Smith's spot this year. Um, how do you see him stacking up? I think physicality-wise, Kevon Wallace has the edge over Van Smith. Mentally, Van Smith, I think, clearly has the edge um, You know, coming from last year. But as Mullen starts to put it together more, or sorry, Wallace starts to put it together more. Combine that with his athleticism; he could be a, a force to re- be reckoned with there. Yeah, and I don't know that Kevon Wallace um, is is any more behind Van Smith from a mental standpoint. Uh, you know, give let's give Van Smith his due because he was he was and there. He was, Van Smith was thrown in kind of a year earlier than maybe he was ready for, and he held his own. Yeah, and he, he, he definitely caught on early, and I respect him for that. Um, but I think I think I think you hit it on the head. Kevon Wallace is. He's checked every box. I mean, he's been able to play multiple multiple positions, including cornerback. He was kind of our our go our uh, you know our in a pinch corner at one point last year. Now you throw him into safety. Oh, all of a sudden he's really good at safety too. So I, I think I don't want to like throw shade on on Van Smith, but I think ultimately you do get a guy that's as heady um, and knows the system at this point in his third year um, as Van Smith. I think he compares um, to him there. And then with a possible upgrade and then, yeah, with physical uh, attributes that will make him probably a net positive. Um, so the, the free safety position, Tanner Muse returns this year, uh, reassumes his starting role. He, he, he missed it at the end of the year. Uh, Tanner Muse, you know, incredible strength. Uh, he had issues with busts and coverage last year. Um, but when he was able to lay the wood, he certainly did. Um, he was a built held back when he had that arm injury, hand injury, whatever it was last year, was running around with that Flintstones Bam Bam club uh, on his arm. But he's a guy from the sounds of things. Again, he has all the physical strengths, uh, but we what we're hearing coming out of camp is that his mental grasp of the game has vastly improved. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't that – like I, I thought he had a pretty solid year last year um, from what we saw in a limited sample. You really – what we didn't have from the year before – was a guy that can play downhill, almost like a linebacker in that in that strong safety spot, and he could do that. So I I, I liked him as just a guy that can come down and, and hit a running back and, and move him back. He's also most likely to be ejected from a game for targeting. I think so. Yeah, I mean, it happened last year. It stinks, but it's I feel like it's like one a year is it's probably going to be him. I mean, if it's anybody, it's going to be him. You're budgeting one a year for that. Um, but I, I like his skill set. Uh, you're not going to see him as like a ball hawk safety. He's not. That's just not who he is. He's definitely a, a linebacker at that position. But I like him. And then what do we have after that? Like that's the big drop off. Where is cornerback? There's guys with you know maybe unproven but have high, up, high upsides, especially with the two freshmen coming in. Uh, behind Kevon Wallace at the strong safety position, we have Nolan Turner. He's a redshirt sophomore. Physically, um, the size he's got it, whether or not, again, he has it between his ears, is, that's unproven on the field. And then behind Tanner Muse, you got Denzel Johnson. Um, again, this, the size is there, but we haven't, we just haven't seen enough of him. Yeah, there's no, I mean, what we understand, he's, he's undersized, and, and we've heard, 
good things from Dabo, but not enough good things. I think this is the position of, of most serious concern is in as much as the depth is concerned because you don't have guys behind them who have really significant experience and we don't have any true freshmen coming in. They're going to be able to step in and, and fill in when needed. This is where you see a situation where Isaiah Simmons might have to slip back to safety. I think so. I think he he'd be your next guy up. And but even so, let's say that you do have your two starters. You have Nolan Turner at as your as your free safety. You have uh, Denzel Johnson as your free safety as your backups. That gives you a two deep. Who do you have after that? I think it it is as Isaiah Simmons. I don't know who else. They couldn't even come up coming out of the spring. They couldn't even come up with a three deep at the strong safety position. Every other position on the team has at least three guys. Strong safety, it's Wallace and Turner. It's really imbalanced. I was a little bit. I, I mean, the whole joke's about Wilkins playing safety. It's like well, he might have to. He could be better than Kyle Cody. He was third, third on the depth chart at the free safety position. Well, well so. let me ask you, like, okay, if we go beyond without without all jokes, Wilkins jokes aside, who do you go um, to after after Simmons as your fifth player? I mean, I guess you pull from the cornerbacks, right? Yeah, I mean, there's been talk about whether or not you pull my, uh, Goodrich over to safety. Um, Trayvon Mullen can play safety. Um, but yeah, I think you have to start looking to the cornerbacks. I mean, we've... Cornell Powell has played some safety here in fall camp. Uh, and he's a guy that, I mean, they tested Ray Ray at cornerback last year. They've been testing Powell. I mean, and that shows you there are depth concerns. Yeah, I'd say I think these aren't like run-of-the-mill three-star players at wide receiver. This these are, are this is these yeah. are top fifty receivers, right? And I mean, they're good. I mean, they're talented guys. But that goes to show you. Listen, we're we're not talking about like winning the ACC Atlantic. We're trying to win national championships here. And when you're that thin at thin at certain positions, there is a concern. Now, granted, we are going to have. Uh, one of the best defensive lines college football has ever seen. And that's going to make it really hard for quarterbacks to get anything going in the downfield passing game because they're not going to have a lot of time. So that's going to help mask those weaknesses for sure. But when you get, we talked about this earlier, when you get into the playoffs, you're playing elite teams like Alabama, possibly Ohio State, and whomever else we may go up against, that's when they can start to pick you apart. Yeah, you, you got to have Wallace and Muse there. Then you got to prioritize that too. You, you got you can't. Well, that's where you're going to see the coaches get a lot of guys playing time throughout the year because um, we expect there to be a lot of blowouts. You know, you're going to have Lee Anthony Williams getting you know snaps in the first half. He should, by all means, part of it. He has to rest these guys to help avoid injury and to make sure they're fresh at the end of the year because you're going to need to rely on certain guys, um, you know, solely. Once you get into the playoffs, it's not going to be you're running three guys out there. You may just be focusing on, you know, relying on one or two guys. Yeah. And they actively did that last year more than they did in, in 15 and 16. They, they were, I think that was Venables. I think it was Dabo um, kind of imposing his will and, and, and Venables kind of succumbing to that. And I'm just, I'm completely reading between the lines um, there. But in 15 and 16, you saw a lot of defensive players just grinded to the bone by the end of the season. And I just remember that North Carolina game, uh, the first ACC championship, uh, we were just like running on fumes. Same with Virginia Tech. I mean, go back and look at the snaps. There was plenty of guys logging 800, 900 snaps yeah, that cr- season. And that, crazy that is a ton. I mean, over a 15-game schedule, which, you know, we're playing 14 or 15 games now, uh, which you throw in the ACC championship game. Um, 
it adds up to a lot of snaps it's, for a lot of guys. So building up this depth. You get close you, to 700 snaps, you're just grinding down to the bone. And that puts you at more risk for injury. Exactly. So it's a combination of those two, like kind of under that balancing act. But yeah, the, the antidote to that or the, the how do you offset that is is through repping guys out. Make sure that a guy like Kevon Wallace only gets 400 and we'll say 50, 500 snaps throughout the course of the season as opposed to 600 or 700 which again, with this returning defensive line and the the weakness, uh, the weak schedule that Clemson is going to be going up against this year, we expect that they'll be able to manage that. I think so, but still, it's it's a concern. It's not a concern against uh, Wake Forest or NC State, more or less. It's 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 a concern against Alabama. It's a concern against Ohio State. Exactly, and that's when it's going to matter. Um, okay, so that wraps it up for the the main position group players on the defensive side of the ball. Let's wrap this up with the specialist. All right, Cody, who's the punter on this team? I don't have an answer there. I haven't followed punters ever. Well, it's Will Will Spires. <laughs> um, he's a redshirt sophomore. He actually fared fairly well in his. Uh, he was a step up from Andy Teasdale, in my opinion, um, in his redshirt freshman season last year. His punting average, I think Teasdale was averaging. About 36, 37 in punts. Will Spears was uh, hitting 40 and above. He had some big booming pumps last year. We all saw the advantage that Clemson had when he had Bradley Pinion, and he could boom at 50 yards, and he could also drop that ball on a dime inside the 20. Uh, fell off a little bit after he left early. Um, Will Spears comes in, and I think it was an improvement over the previous year. So he's a guy, again, young guy, redshirt sophomore, um, I don't think the punters are going to be called on as much as they were last season, just because I think the offense is going to be more efficient. But still, you know, again, we talk about playing elite teams. When you're trying to flip the, p- the field, uh, the quality of your punters is very important. That's right, Ben. Great. That's right, Cotton. <laughs> Great insight as always there, Cody. Um, and, then, <laughs> and then kicking off uh, BT Potter, the true freshman coming in, I think everybody expects uh, just with his big booming leg that we're going to see him assume those duties. That's something else that, that Clemson struggled with. Alex Spence did a, did a decent job, serviceable job last year um, as the kickoff guy. But BT Potter, again, the more you can drive that ball to the back of the end zone, you start opposing offenses against this defense at the 25-yard line every time, making them drive 75 yards to score a touchdown. That's going to be really difficult. So um, our anticipation is that how that's going to play out. But hopefully a lot of that doesn't matter as the season goes on. But once we get into more meaningful games, ACC championship, college football playoff, again, it, it does matter. These Being good at these things is what can give you the edge. We saw Clemson lose in part um, – uh, the the 2015 national championship game due to special teams, so it does matter. Um, but that wraps it up. That's our defensive uh, preview for the 2018 uh, Clemson Tiger football team. There's go ahead, Ben. Everyone like wants us to talk about this. I, I can hear. I can just see it. 14 is is it going to be better than? Is 18 going to be better than 14? And is uh, is it going to be is it going to be the best defensive uh, unit I, of all time? And how and how confidently do you feel about that? I feel pretty damn confident. Just I mean, because I know the talent that we have on the defensive line and the experience and just who we're returning. Teams getting past that first level, whether it be in the run game or just doing anything in the passing game, because of all the pressure they're going to be facing, it's going to be really hard for teams to move the ball. They had an incredibly hard time moving the ball last year. Again. Uh, the defense average giving up 12.8 points a game. That's less than two touchdowns. 
Um, and there's going to be significant improvement. I mean, there's going to be improvement this year. I'm not going to say it's significant because it's hard to significantly improve on that. But again, with Dexter Lawrence 100% healthy, um, it, it's just hard not to see how this is. And um, this is not hyperbole, I, I don't think. I mean, I'm not meaning it as such. It's hard not to see how this is not going to be the best Clemson defense in the Brent Venables era, in the Dabo Sweeney era, of course, and perhaps all time. Agreed. And we can look a little bit to last year, 17's team and 17's D as a, as a benchmark of sorts. Like if you compared 17 to 14, it's like it wasn't as good as 14, but there's only one reason. I think the upside of it was as good, but the upside was fleeting. I think it was because of depth. We could not sustain it throughout games and even throughout drives because our defensive line got tired. That was the heart of our defense. Once it went out, everything else kind of fell by the wayside. This year, I think there's enough depth to keep us to keep us uh, up, uh, upright. And uh, and I think ultimately we're like, I think this will be the best defense. I don't think it'll be a conversation. No, and, and guys... I'll be disappointed, by the way, if, if it's not the best. Don't forget to pay attention to the redshirt freshmen and true freshmen that are going to be playing this year because... Um, we were pretty close to a rebuilding year this year on defense. We definitely are going to be next year. How much we're rebuilding is going to depend on uh, how much experience these guys get and the development that we see out of them this year. And I expect that to be pretty significant, again, because I think they're going to get a good amount of playing time because our schedule's so weak. Agreed. That's Jordan Williams. That's KJ Henry. Obviously, Xavier Thomas. Uh, Mike Jones, um, the, the, the freshman cornerbacks, it's it's all of them. So uh, just because we'll be dominating people uh, or uh, opposing teams, again, look at those other guys because that's going to foretell how we're going to be next year when we have a lot of gaps to fill. Okay, so that wraps it up for our defensive position group preview for the 2018 season. If Cody doesn't interrupt me again, we'll go ahead and move it on and wrap up this episode with a rapid-fire segment. <laughs> Okay, we had fun with this last time, uh, last episode, Cody. Let's do another rapid fire here. I'm going to do it this time. Um, what do you have in Bill Connolly's S&P total defensive rankings this year? Again, we ended second rank last year. Do you see an improvement on that this year? Wow, that's so I don't have the rankings up with me right now. We were second behind Wisconsin last year. We were probably better than them. Ultimately, I think we're the best. This year, I think we'll be the best as well. I think because of our schedule. it's it, Will we be the best? Yes. But will you statistically be the best? I also think yes, too, just because of depth and because of our week schedule. That's the longest yes answer I've ever heard. Um, okay, first rounders. How many first rounders do you see on this defense uh, going into next season? And let's not talk about Xavier Thomas in the future, three years down the road, but how many first rounders do you see on this defense this year? I feel good about one, but I'll say two. 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 Just you got it, yeah. Would you would you say three or four? I say two. I see four. Four. I see three defensive linemen. What if Mullen? Mullen would be the That's one. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, Mullen would I be see, the guy. I see three defensive linemen, a possibility for a fourth, and Mullen being a wild card in there. I think it's possible. Again, if we're you talk, could, you could talk me into three, but I'm gonna go with two. If we're talking about the greatest Clemson defense of all time, and this is not just the greatest. You know, South Carolina defense of all time when they finish fifth in the conference. We're talking about possibly finishing number one in the nation. That's high in talent. You're talking about, you know, it's not Kentucky level where you send five starters in basketball in the first round of the NBA draft, but they're going to be good. 
Um, okay, over under shutouts from the season. Over under two and a half. We had like three last year. So this is complicated too because it's more about game, like how like like a, a coach may want to kick a field goal, and they they, they did that. Well, last what year. what makes it interesting is uh, the depth on the defense and the fact that we're going to play a lot of second teamers and third teamers, and the four stringers are going to get into the game. But some of those four stringers are going to be good. Quarter. Jordan exactly. Williams of the world and are that's be good. why yeah. that's why this question is interesting. Whereas before we'd be like, well, of course there's going to be garbage time points. Uh, you know, these backups don't want to give up points either, right? They want to they want to prove themselves to the first stringers and uphold these shutouts. True. When you have a starter level third string team, uh, so I'm going to go. All right, so I'll, I'll go over two and a half then, and and, and go three. Um, but beyond that, still, you get you get to some walk on level type stuff. I'm going four. I think the schedule's weak enough this year. Um, a lot of times when teams are down 51 to nothing in the fourth quarter and they're driving, they tend to not to like to settle for field goals. Um, so going for it. We'll Let me rapid happen. fire with you. And I know you have another one. Sure. Who is our toughest offense that we'll play this year that we know of in the regular season? I haven't even looked at the schedule. I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. NC State, Ryan Finley back. Yeah, but on okay. the regular season. All right, sure. Um, I think maybe one of our toughest opponents, and we can get into this too in the preview, could be Boston College, but it's not going to be because of their offense. They do have a great running back, though. No, you got you got to be multiple. They're just they can just all they can do is run. AJ Dillon's going to find a wall. He's going to love like they're going to take pride in making sure AJ Dillon runs for like twenty yards. And I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy that. That'll be the well. So who do you have best offense we face all year? It might be Florida State. Because of the they're 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 doing tempo down in down Tallahassee. They had two capable quarterbacks and we maybe play, a good one we're, we're at tallahassee too we're yeah we're going to be in, in tallahassee. tallahassee so they have a really good running back core with cam Akers as one of the better running backs in the nation um so they could potentially provide enough uh we'll say duality or, or they can be multiple enough um listen multi-dimensional enough to beat us it's a good point and i probably don't give florida state enough credit considering how much talent they have just because of how they've been in recent neither season. one of us would have said syracuse though that's last true. year that's a good point um all right uh, most sacks in a game over and under, over under seven and a half last year, Clemson, uh, set the bar early in the season against Auburn with 11. So over under this year, seven and a half most in a game. I'm going to go, man, I'm going to go over, but I'm also going to say there's going to be some quarterbacks that are going to be thrown to the sidelines a lot too. And doing some, some stupid stuff here and there just out of fear of fear for their life. Uh, rightfully so. Unless you run into a team like Kent state, which, uh, throws it like three times. Um, I'm going to go over. I, I think eight is an easy number for this football team. I think there's a scenario where Dexter Lawrence might get two sacks on one play. Um, so going over. It's happened before. Yeah. It's ha- look at look at a Wikipedia that. Um, all right. So let's wrap it up here. Christian Wilkins, defensive TDs over under one and a half. That's a good question because if there were one player that were going to just strip a quarterback or strip a running back and run at the house. Or an interception in coverage. He drops in coverage. Or yeah, or or a batted ball in the air. Yeah. I'll say is it over under zero? Over under one and a half. Well, he's definitely gonna have I will say one. Okay, so you're going under. Yeah. All right. Point five would be the over the proper over under, but you're new to this gambling. No, stuff. I'm going for two. Yeah, you you said a bad line. That's what we would say in the gambling circles. Or I'm gonna be right, so we'll see how it plays right. out. Christian Wilkins, offensive touchdowns, over under one and a half. <laughs> 
I think we have plenty of playmakers. We don't need him on offense this year, but you never know, man. You never know. Again, I want to see the Jumbo package back out, though. We didn't we we didn't see it a lot last year. I want to see that again. Okay, folks. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode. We're at an hour and a half right now. Sam's going to be pretty upset. Um, so we'll go ahead and sign off. Um, again, thank everybody for listening. Uh, we'll be back uh, next week. I think we're going to do an offensive position group preview. We're going to kind of let some things shake out on that side of the ball because, you know what, we still don't know who technically the starting quarterback is yet. Quick reminder to, uh, again, engage with us on across any platforms we mentioned earlier, ClemsonPodcast at gmail.com, at ClemsonPodcast on Twitter and Facebook, and interact with us on SoundCloud. Then also, let's do some shout-outs here. I want to remind everybody, Rob Matthews, our fan from Ireland, fell in the, you know, kind of love with uh, American football and college football, became a Clemson fan, just... Uh, happenstance. Yeah, just happenstance. And so he's going to come to his first Clemson game this year for the NC State game. Uh, we're looking, we're not sure how many of us out here could be able to make it to that game, but we'd love to hook him up with some tailgates to really show him the Clemson atmosphere. Sticking out of the country, Chris O'Brien got a nice message from him on Twitter. He's in Australia, says uh, we help him keep up to date with uh, Clemson football and Clemson sports. Chris, we really appreciate that. Um, we've now got listeners in Ireland, Australia. We had uh, one from the Middle East. We know that. So I really appreciate you guys. Will Dukes on Facebook been interacting with us a lot. I know, uh, Cody, you have an, an apology. I would or say clarification. The, there you go. Um, I think the apology or the, the apologist is Will Dukes. He's like, he's like I'm the guy that's defending uh, Kelly Bryant. In the last episode, I said, don't be the guy that's always defending Kelly Bryant. And I did not mean that out of a sense of loyalty. All I meant is if you're having an honest conversation about who should be the starting quarterback, don't let that be your crutch. Don't like what I would say. That's like a, ver- a version of virtue signaling of in sports talk. Just have an honest conversation of who should be the the legitimate starter, and don't think of loyalty because hey, Kelly Bryant, for as as long as he'll be uh, in the Upstate, he's from Wren Powdersville. Trust me, he'll find he'll get he'll have gainful employment for as long as he's around there. If he ever goes to a Clemson bar, he'll always have a free drink. Don't worry about. Don't worry about Kelly Bryant. He'll be fine. We just need the best quarterback to start. So just don't – that's all I meant by that. Well, you know what? That could very well be Kelly Bryant. Signs are pointing in that direction. We'll keep giving Cody hell on Facebook. The rest <laughs> of us appreciate that, believe me. Then we got Matthew Miller and SoundCloud. Man, I appreciate you reaching out to us and the conversations back and forth there. Then, of course – T-Rice and Gravy from Tiger Net gave us a shout-out there. He found us. He found us. We appreciate it, T-Rice. Keep listening. Thanks for interacting with us. So, yeah, that's all we got for today, folks. We appreciate you tuning in. We'll be back next week with an offensive preview. We'll try to fit in a season preview for this upcoming season, but I think we can all tell you right now it's 12-0 until we get to an ACC championship game is our anticipation. There's your preview. Uh, Thanks again, folks. Again, 10 days we spot the damn ball. Go Tigers.